Blog Talk Radio. Gonna tell you a little bedtime tale, legend it will become. Burgers flying out the door, sail on. Two for one, no concern for the future. Living for today. Fast food bite on your way, lay it all to waste. The masses are afflicted now. Moo, mad cow. Mad cow. Mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sun Nation, welcome to the show on another show here for you. Not our regular time on Friday. We had technical difficulties on our normal slot, so we're making it up today. But if you're looking for some professional wrestling today, NGW in Crawfordsville, Indiana, FWF in Warsaw, Indiana, HTPW in Paris, Texas, PPW in Holland, Michigan, TIW in North Adams, Massachusetts, and New Era Wrestling happening in Denver, Colorado. Speaking of New Era Wrestling, our guest is on that show later today, and he is out of the great state of Colorado, Ville 5.2. Thank you so very much for taking time out of your morning to be with us. We definitely appreciate it, and welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited and super stoked, so this is awesome to be on here. Well, since it is your First time with us. I'm going to start you out with our traditional first-timer question here. What led to you getting into the business of professional wrestling? You know, it's it's really funny. Um, so I've liked, like many people, I've liked wrestling since I was a kid, like since I was five years old. I mean, I was drawn to the TV watching Triple H and Daniel Bryan and, you know, the big show and all those guys. And I remember... Um, I was watching Chris Lee Knows Best, which I know, like, right now he's in a lot of uh, heat right now, but that's where I kind of got the idea from, um, because his kid wanted to be a wrestler, and um, so he went to, like, this youth pro wrestling class, and they were able to let him wrestle, and I remember, like, I turned the volume up, and I was like, are you serious? I was like, if a kid can do this at 12 years old, why can't I do this at my age? So um, I remember I was, like, looking online, and I was trying to find youth pro wrestling classes, like, anywhere I could. And I was lucky enough that I did. I found um, Primo's Butcher Shop Premier Professional Wrestling with um, Joey. Joey McDougal, I am the provider. And he was so, you know, he was so gracious enough to let me start my pro wrestling career and break me into the business at such a young age at uh, 14 years old. And it just kind of went from there. So I've, I've been in this business for <laughs> quite a while now. Going into professional wrestling, had you done any sort of athletic background or a drama background or anything like that that was going to prepare you for parts of what professional wrestling entails, or did you go into training sort of cold and not really knowing what to expect? Um, I went into it, basically I didn't know what to expect because – I had a soccer background, a jiu-jitsu background a little bit. Um, I did amateur wrestling throughout uh, elementary and middle school. And then I used to be in plays when I was younger. So I used to do like that drama type of play 
stuff as well. And then I would watch it. I remember every single night I would come home from school and I would turn on the TV um, on Mondays and Fridays, 6 p.m. to 9.30, and I would watch, you know, SmackDown and Raw, and those were my two shows, and I was so invested into it. I was that kid. I was that crazy kid that used to get his stuffed animals, get on the couch, mimic what the wrestlers were doing on the TV, and then like do exactly what they were doing um, on the stuffed animal. I used to get in so much trouble with my mom. I remember this one time I jumped off the couch and I um, I slammed I guess the floor so hard that one of her pots fell over and broke. But um, I've been kind of in wrestling. It's for as long as I know, and I think I've been set up for the professional wrestling career for even longer. Uh, You, like we talked about, are in the Denver area, and in the last couple of years, maybe even slightly longer than that, the wrestling scene in Denver and the surrounding areas has really exploded there's a lot of fantastic talent in that area. There's a lot of great promotions. Things seem to go very well in that area for professional wrestling. What do you think it is that really kicked off this upswing in the level of professional wrestling and its popularity in the area? Um, I think it all comes down to the atmosphere and the environment that you're in. We, when you go to these training camps, you, we lift each other up. There is not, I'm bigger than you, I'm tougher than you, I'm better than you. It's when somebody clears the top rope, when somebody does their first role, when somebody has their first match, we are all there supporting each other. It's a big support system, you know, it's a brotherhood. I mean, I was taught from day one, when you go in, you go and you shake everybody's hand and you look, you look everybody in the eye and you, you introduce yourself. And then before you leave, you make sure that you say um, goodbye to everybody. And it's just kind of like learning from day one to pay your dues and respect that. And we're all, I mean, even outside of the wrestling industry, we all still help each other out. You know, we have our group chat where we're like, hey, I need help with this. And we all kind of go together to help each other out. And I think, like, the biggest thing is that we have, especially with Primo's premiere and with New Era, is these guys, we've got guys that are going on two different shows. So we see each other on one show here, and then we'll travel and we'll go to the next show over there. So it's just kind of a great environment to be a part of both of those promotions and be able to have that brotherhood and know that you can trust these guys with your, with your life in the ring and in, outside of the ring as well. Previously in Denver, going back many years, I'm sure probably before you were around, in the territorial days, Denver was sort of an open ground until the AWA came in late in its run and it became an AWA regular stop. A lot of fans will gravitate towards the style of professional wrestling that a given territory was known for in its area. So, for example, in Memphis, they gravitate more towards the comedic and brawling. In Florida, a lot of the fans are more into the hardcore and brawling aspect of the sport. New York, they like the great big over-the-top characters. 
The AWA was more of a scientific wrestling-oriented promotion. Do you get the sense that the bigger part of the fan base does sort of gravitate towards what the AWA fans were known to like, or do you get the sense that things have evolved a little bit since then? Um, personally, I think it depends what area you're in because, um, if you go over to new era, it's more of, you know, if you try to do the high flashy, flashy stuff too fast, that's not going to get the pop. The, um, the pop is going to be like the slow and controlled, the more the, the storytelling, those are what the fans are looking for. They eat that stuff up. Um, versus if you go more towards primos, you know, they are looking for that kind of like strong style scientific um, wrestling and actually we have had a couple um, of shows with, with Jake Shannon where he did the shoot pro wrestling and he added a lot of that scientific wrestling I've been lucky to be a part of both of those shows and the fans really did like it so I think it just perpe- um, depends on how you promote and which areas you go to and you have to kind of base that off of um, reading the fans and understanding what they like because different parts of Denver or different parts of Colorado will like different things. Um, I do think so that it has evolved and I think it's evolved for the better. I think that fans are now starting to see more of the storytelling side and understanding, you know, they want that theatrical side to everything is like, Hey, this is funny. This is awesome. You know, versus the, the fast flashy move after move after move where you can't keep up with anything. One of the other parts of professional wrestling that is very hot right now in Denver. It's taken off in the last probably seven to eight years as far as sort of evolving and becoming a mainstream accepted part of wrestling, that being women's wrestling. There's a lot of great female talent in your area. A lot of those talents came up to my neck of the woods and they they were part of the uh, Glamour promotion which was an all female promotion that was sistered with Northwest Pro you have people like Lilith Grimm and Regan Grimes and Ola Lola and so many more great female talents what do you think it is that sparked so many great female talents in the Denver area when a lot of areas struggle to come up with even one or two really good, talented women's wrestlers? It all comes down to respect. Um, I know that we really do respect the women's wrestling out here, and we make sure that we've, we're going to have, you know, um, the Omega 9 is really going to show that as well this Sunday, kind of what women's wrestling is about. It's not for the men. It's, it's for the women because it shows, like, Girls can do anything that a guy can do, and sometimes they can even do it better. I mean, you know, so it's become kind of the holding of we want to make sure that we can respect and we can show these women that they can feel comfortable in our locker rooms and that they can feel like they're awesome and that they can do what they need to do. Um, We actually even have, um, Joey McDougal has been holding it as a women's camp for the past two weeks. And he's brought all these women in that um, want to either be a professional wrestler or that want to get better at professional wrestling. And he's done a phenomenal job with this women's camp. I mean, top notch to where 
he has made all these girls comfortable in the wrestling ring. And I've had um, the pleasure of seeing some of these women work. And it's like, oh, my gosh, it's like it, it clicks. Like, sometimes they do stuff better than the men. And you're like, how, where did they learn all this from? And you realize it all comes down to the roots of they, they're not going to let any guy intimidate them. They're going to go up. They're going to show what they're made of. And they're going to have respect every time that they do it. So I just think that it's a big, it all comes down to respect, is that we, re, we really do respect our women's wrestlers here. One of the more controversial aspects in professional wrestling in the last several years is intergender matches. There are people that find nothing wrong with them and enjoy doing them. A lot of fans enjoy watching them. On the flip side, a lot of people dislike the notion of men wrestling women and don't want that as part of professional wrestling at the national level, you don't see a lot of intergender matches anymore. Do you personally have many intergender matches where you're wrestling the female competitors? I've had um, about two, two of them, and I have no issues with them because the way that I see it is, is that if a woman is going to come into the business and is going to wrestle, she doesn't want to be treated like a baby. She's there to wrestle. She wants you, She's there to prove, hey, I'm here to wrestle just like you are. Don't, you know, don't do little sucker punches. Like, you know, and, that, and I think it all comes down to I have no issues with it. I think that intergender matches are great because it kind of shows, you know, what we're made of. There, it's professional wrestling at the basis of this. This is all professional wrestling, and you can tell really great stories out off of that. Um, one of my last matches I had was with um, Daddy Doom. And I had Daddy Doom and Maddie Scrumptious, and it was a handicap match. And I had a lot of fun in that match uh, because I did. I got to wrestle Daddy Doom, and I got to wrestle Maddie Scrumptious, and then, you know, just to see how their team works works as well. I think that there should – I know that there's a lot of controversy around it, but I think that the – more we kind of do these matches as long as they're laid out safely and every and both parties are okay with it, I don't think it should matter either way because, like I said, the women can do just what the guys can do, if not better sometimes. One of the other controversial aspects in professional wrestling is that of blood in matches. We've learned more in the medical community about bloodborne pathogens and so forth over the last 15 to 20 years that has crept into wrestling where blood has always been part of the sport. A lot of people think that you should try your best not to have any blood involved in professional wrestling and be careful to not introduce that into matches. There are proponents that say blood is fine in certain spots on a show. Some people do not think there is anything wrong with lots of blood all over the show. You see at the national level, pretty much across the board, referees that will carry the vinyl gloves. So if there is blood introduced, they glove up immediately like other sports do. Uh, That is just in the 
last few years that that's been introduced. So it's sort of a controversial hot topic issue in our business. Where do you stand as far as blood as it relates to professional wrestling in 2022? Um, In my opinion, I think that unless there's really a storyline that needs to be involved, I'm not the biggest fan of just bleeding to bleed. If it happens on accident, it happens on accident. And, and, you know, um, that actually happened in one of my last matches. I got suplexed and I ended up, I mean, it wasn't a lot, but I ended up bleeding um, throughout my nose. And I was actually kind of proud of that because it's like, okay, it's to show like this sport is real. What we do is real. But I think that personally, I don't want to be a part of those matches where you do, where there is that blood and you are bleeding. Um, I have no, but I have, there's, I don't really think that there's anything wrong if you want to do that. If you choose to do that hardcore deathmatch wrestling, that's, that's on you, and I respect that. For me personally, I find it a little bit scary at times because you don't know what people have, um, and you don't know exactly what you're getting yourself into unless you're trained um, by a professional because the one biggest thing I think that we can all agree on is backyard wrestling. None of us can agree with backyard wrestling. Backyard wrestling, like the mimic pro wrestling, take it to the extreme and put trash on what professional wrestling actually is. So I don't agree with the backyard wrestling, but I think that if it's an actual wrestling show with a promotion and they want to include blading, if the guy, if both guys are on board, I would say go for it. But me personally, you won't ever see me bleeding or bleeding for a promotion. One of the things that is sort of a barometer of how much blood a promotion uses is a state commission. A lot of states have no commission, so it's up to the individual promoters, but a lot of states have state athletic commissions that regulate things like that as far as blood goes, how the rings are maintained and cleaned. Uh, A lot of states require physicals annually, things of that nature. In your own career, do you deal with athletic commissions very much, or have you sort of avoided places that have an active commission? We have not really had, uh, I wouldn't say we avoided it. I just don't think we took it um, as seriously, I think, as we are now. We're looking back at it. Um, I think that there are, there's rumor that we are going to get athletic commission into place for Colorado just for the professional wrestling scene. I've never had to deal with it, but that's not to say that that people don't check the wrestling ring to make sure that it's safe or people don't make sure that somebody's healthy before they wrestle in terms of if they're sick or if they're injured. Uh, I've never had to deal necessarily with that in my career, but I do think that that is something that all of the promoters and trainers are looking at for the new year. I, I do think that's happening pretty soon. Tag team wrestling is a part of the wrestling business that has had a lot of ups and downs over the years. It seems like there will be periods where tag team wrestling is 
sort of at the forefront and focused on fairly heavily. And you'll see regular tag teams that main event for the bigger companies. Then we'll hit periods where tag team wrestling is pushed farther away from the spotlight. You don't see as many regular tag teams. They don't go past the mid part of the card. Do you do a lot of tag team wrestling in your own career? And do you have a preference on tag teams versus singles? I actually, it's uh, funny you say that. Um, I've had a couple of tag team matches where I have liked them. And I think it all, it's going to come down to the storytelling and if people understand how to work together. I think that if I have the right partner, I could have fun in a tag team. I think the biggest thing with professional wrestlers is that we have our own ego where, like, we want to be the spotlight. It's kind of like, I want to be the spotlight here. Like, who, who doesn't? I mean, you've got to have a little bit of an ego to wrestle spandex with your shirt off. So, and that's nothing bad. It's just where we all kind of have that ego where, like, we want to be in the spotlight when we're wrestling. But if you're able to do that, to have, like, your own personality, but also intertwine with somebody else that you can connect with, why not have a good tag team? And the Canadian pit bulls down here, um, are the best people to watch, the best wrestlers, in my opinion. If you want to watch a good tag team match, watch the Canadian Pitbulls. Um, they wrestle all around, but they are some of the best guys that you can learn from, too, uh, in terms of that, because I personally have no issues with tag, with tag team matches, but I want to know who I'm wrestling with, because I think that it's important that you have the same styles or you have similar beliefs, um, on your with your teammate if you're going to be going and wrestling somebody else because if you guys can't get on the same page then it's going to throw the whole match off so personally i've always seen billy 5.2 as a lone wolf but if the opportunity arises where he's a part of a group why not you know the more the merrier one of the other parts of professional wrestling that you very rarely see from the national companies anymore. You see it on the independent somewhat, but it's sort of a dying aspect of the business. That is the midget match, or a lot of people refer to it as the little person match in these times. We see promotions that are all uh, little people, such as the Micro Wrestling Federation and things of that nature, but by and large, you don't see a lot of those matches on standard cards any longer. Do you think that in today's environment we could see a resurgence of that, or do you think that's part of wrestling that we aren't really going to see widespread anymore? It really depends on the state you're in, I think, because I know that they travel all around and they'll do the shows all year round. I don't see Colorado personally ever having midget or little man matches matches i don't um but that's not to say that other states won't allow that to happen i know that they've traveled you know they they travel all around um the u.s i think that it's a different type of wrestling that people can enjoy but i'm not sure if it will ever be up to the level or popularity that it'll ever be in colorado Colorado, for the people that have never been there before, 
is, of course, a mile-high city, which means you're in a higher elevation, which for the people outside of Colorado that would travel there can cause problems as far as cardiovascular conditioning and breathing because they have to make adjustments for the altitude, which is much different than a lot of people are accustomed to outside of the area. When you see people from out of the area come into Colorado, do you notice that it takes them maybe a few matches to get accustomed to wrestling in that environment, or do you see people make the adjustments fairly well? Uh, it takes a while. It takes a while from what I've seen because, you know, it's you you got guys that come from Florida down here, and they're like, oh, my gosh, they're like, I, I can barely breathe. So it does. It takes a while to get that in-ring conditioning. But also, I'm going to kind of call Colorado out as well. Um, Duff Doyle always likes to say, get your cardio in. A lot of guys do not take their cardio seriously here, even though we're accustomed to this air here. So... I think as a state, we're all trying to get better um, just in general with getting our conditioning in and getting our cardio in because that's so important in a match so you don't get blown up. So, yes, I do think that when other people come down to Colorado, it does take them a while, but I also think that people here um, get gas as well. So we're all trying to get better with our cardio so that we can put on better matches. When you wrestle a guy that isn't native to Colorado that maybe came from another state for an out-of-town booking or someone that is relocated to the area from somewhere else, do you have to adjust how you wrestle them because of the altitude and make changes around that, or do you just go in there and wrestle how you normally would and hope the opponent doesn't completely fall on his face. I will always make adjustments. And I do that not even just with the guys that are coming outside of state, but with every person that I'm wrestling, um, I will always make adjustments because with some guys, I can wrestle a lot faster. Some guys I have to slow down. Some guys I can't, I, I won't do certain moves to. Some guys I will. I adjust every single one of my matches. It's what are they comfortable with? How can I adjust to them to better suit them and make them look like gold? That's what I was, I, I was taught in this business. Make your opponent look like gold, regardless of who they are, if you have beef, if you don't, how long they've been wrestling, always make them look like gold. So that's to say with every opponent that I wrestle with, whether he's been in the business for one year, six years, he's big, he's tall, he's small, um, whatever, I will always make adjustments and I was taught how to put on a really decent decent matches from Eric Angel. He's the one that taught me how to do that. So I have to kind of give Eric Angel some praise here because he teaches you, okay, when you go to wrestle somebody, you the first thing you ask them is what do you do well? And then you kind of go from there and you can put on pretty good matches that way. Do you run into the standard thing a lot of, especially younger wrestlers do, where you ask, okay, what do you do well? And they say, 
everything, brother, and then it turns out not so much in a lot of the aspects? Um, I don't think I've ever had that. I think, um, you know, knock on wood, I've never had that. But I'm sure that there are a couple people that are, that are very arrogant like that that think that they can do everything well. That's not to say that I haven't had um, individuals say that they want to fit 20,000 things into one match, and I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, we have eight minutes. There's no way we can fit all this in. And then at that point, you're going through the moves. So I've had uh, matches where I've had to tell people, and it's not that they're doing it on purpose. It's just because it's their first time or whatever. I've had to tell some people, hey, slow down. You know, relax. It's the, it's the thing that I was told when I first started wrestling. Hey, slow down, relax, have fun, you know. And, I mean, I've had a couple of people where I think that they just they get super excited and they want to fit move after move after move after move. But it's like, hold on, we got to make sure we're telling a story because if you just go through the moves, like, anybody can go through moves. Anybody can do a 450. Not everybody, but a lot of people, you know. Or anybody can do um, a clothesline but it's how your character does it and how you can tell that story. So I don't think I've ever personally had anybody that arrogant where they've been like, no, brother, I can't. I, I can do everything. I, luck, lucky enough. If you ever wrestled Jason the Gift Kincaid, he actually can do everything extremely well. But outside of that, I think everybody's got the weakness or two, at least in some aspects. Yeah, I he can. Kincaid can he can go. He's awesome. I really do I love Kincaid. Um he can. I think that we all have our things where we can do certain things well and maybe some things eh not so well. So we kinda of divide that um into it all also depends on would your character do that? Would you ever see Philly five point two um giving a gorilla press to somebody? Absolutely not. But would you ever see Billy 5.2 drop kick somebody out of the corner? Oh, yeah. Every time. Do you have a personal favorite hold or move that maybe isn't in your regular part of your repertoire, but something that you just really enjoy doing no matter how often or how little you actually use it in ring? Yes. I love to do the code red. That is my favorite move that I can sometimes pull off with a couple of guys because um, not many people know how to take a code red or even a Frankensteiner. Um, but those are my two that I, I love. I love doing those moves, especially just like from the powerbomb position and then the guy tries to powerbomb you and you flip him over. Code red, absolutely, one of my favorites. What's the biggest weight disadvantage you ever had on a guy that you were able to successfully code red? Um, that would be Cody Devine. <laughs> Cody Devine has probably anywhere from 80 to 90 more pounds on me. And I, he it was funny. He had me in his power bomb position and I was, it was in a tag team match. It was, um, dust oil and Billy 5.2 versus Cody Devine and Logan Austin. And he had me in his powerbomb position, and I just started beating on his head. And then, then as soon as he tries to powerbomb me, I flip him over. And, like, it was the craziest thing. You just, like, the pop that everybody heard, it was – that was the best, I think, Code Red I've ever done. So Cody Devine is the biggest guy that I've ever hit a Code Red on. 
Well, we do have one fan-submitted question I will ask you here. Longtime fan, Kurt Freezes wants to know, was Villy 5.2 a fan of the 90s duo Millie Vanilli? <laughs> oh, I think I know who's asking that one. Um, Millie Vanilli. You know what? We'll, we'll go with it. Yeah. Millie Vanilli is really funny. It, wor- it works out, right? It, it works out. And did you ever use one of their songs as your entrance music? I have not. I have never used that as my entrance music. Maybe in the future. Who knows? Maybe I will. One of the aspects of wrestling that a lot of wrestlers struggle to really understand is entrance music and making it relate to who they are in the ring. You see a lot of guys that will play a song for their entrance music just because they love the song and it doesn't really connect with their gimmick at all. It doesn't really make sense to who they are in the ring, but they just like the song. Some people will overanalyze why they have a certain song as their entrance music. A lot of people just don't really put any thought whatsoever into entrance music and whatever the sound person plays, they'll just go out to it. Do you put much time and effort into choosing what your entrance music will be at a given time? I do, because that's one of the things that, again, Eric Angel he taught you. He has talked about it. He's talked about it at practice. What's your entrance music? And people will tell him, and he's like, why? And then people can't give him a reason why. They're like, because I like it. Um, so Eric Angel has taught me to choose the right entrance music for my character because I have, I put a lot of like thought into, okay, well, what should my entrance music be? Um, because my biggest thing too was copyright because we, I used to be trials by star set and it met and it did go into the gimmick because the first thing that it says is these trials make us who we are. Well, I've gone through all these trials become really 5.2. So these trials do make me who I am. However, you, you run into a lot of that where um, copyright is an issue. So you want to make sure that your entrance music is the same every time. Because I would go out and I would wrestle and they said, we can't use your music because it's not copyright free. And I was like, okay, great. So they would just choose random music. And if you have music that does not fit your character and you just have this weird music, it, it's not going to hype you up. You're not going to be ready to go because it doesn't feel like you. Your music has to connect with you and your character, more importantly. So my entrance music now is Party by the 80s by Netflix. And the whole reason why do I have that, people know when they hear that beat drop, oh, Billy 5.2 is coming out. And it's, it's like, hey, we're here to have a good time. Like, everybody knows, like, hey, this guy's cool. He's, he's awesome. We're just here to have a good time. That's why I chose the entrance music that I have because it's also copyright free um, as well. But I had to go through, and I had to, I mean, it took me hours to find the right music. And it also, I mean, you're going to look like an idiot, but in your home, if you're in your home, put your entrance jacket on, get the speakers going, put your music on, have your mirror ready, 
and pretend like you're like you're walking out to the wrestling ring and practice your entrance over and over and over again. I used to do that when I was a kid. I used to do that when I was eight years old. I'd pretend like I was Daniel Bryan or I'd pretend like I was Billy 5.2 and I would do all these different entrance music. So definitely invest the time when you have it to do that. You're going to look like an idiot, but you're, you're in professional wrestling, you know? So you, you want to be proud of what you have. And it took me a long time, but that's kind of how I found my, my music. What would you say has been the strangest entrance music for a wrestler that you've encountered so far? Maybe something that just totally did not fit what they were in the ring or maybe just something that seemed completely inappropriate for the audience to be listening to at the time, just something that just did not fit at all? Um, I would say it was like, it was a while, it was a while ago, um, back in the watering bowl days. But I remember it was, it was somebody that came out and he came out to like this death metal music, like full on death metal music. But he, he, like his, his character and his gimmick wasn't death metal. He was like chill ass, like Bison. And I remember being like, wait, why is he coming out to, why is he coming out to death metal music if he's not even into like hardcore rock or he's not a death metal dude? I think that that's the weirdest um, one that I've ever seen. I think people here are pretty decent for the most part about choosing music that fits with their um, gimmick. And I, I would hope so. Um, I can tell you the weirdest wrestling music that I've ever come out to, and that's because of the copyright, because at the time I didn't have um, the song that I do now. But I came out to this, like, hippie flower music, and I was like, are you kidding me? You've got to be kidding me. As soon, because they told us that they, because, um, they were going to put it on YouTube. They're like, guys, we can't use any of your guys' songs. So we're just going to choose a random song for you. And I came out to this hippie, like, vibing music, and I was like, are you serious? I was like, this is not Billy 5.2. This, this flower music is not the vibe. So that's kind of the weirdest thing I've ever encountered. You spoke a little while ago of people telling you to slow down when you were starting out and you having to tell people to slow down and relax. Tracy Smothers used to tell people, let's start off slow and taper off from there. That's always some very good advice, but a lot of times veterans will offer advice to young wrestlers, whether it's understood or not or implemented or not. It's a different story. But what's some of the best advice when you were starting that a veteran offered to you? The best advice I ever got was take your time. Whatever it is, take your time, register the crowd, look around, breathe. You know, those were the, I mean, the biggest advice. And also it's to have fun. I love those guys that before a match, they're like, hey, what's the number one rule? Have fun. That's right. We're going to have fun. Because people get in their head, and I get in my head too, where it's like, I want to make everybody proud. Every single person that I wrestle, I want to make them proud, regardless if you like them or not. I think that that should be a big thing for everybody. Um, And 
I was always told, you know, take your time, register the crowd, look around. And the best thing that I love about professional wrestling is it's constructive criticism. Everything that you get is constructive criticism. And I learned, I mean, as Dust Doyle likes to say, it's different flavors of ice cream. And Eric Angel will tell you that too. And you'll get different ways to kind of understand what makes your character you and different ways to wrestle. And even Joey McDougal, you know, he's been a big part of, hey, take your time, just look around. I remember that was the first thing, relax. I used to be told that a lot when I was in training, relax. And I think that that's important for these new guys that are coming into this business. You know, don't blow these bets off. Listen to everything that they have to say because they know what they're doing and they're looking out in your best interest. And I think a lot of people, these young guys especially, um, and I, it's funny the way I talk about that because I'm only 20 years old, but um, the way that they talk about how, oh, well, he doesn't know any better. He's just an old grizzled vet. It's like, no, he knows what he's talking about. These guys are here to keep us safe and they're here to keep this business for longer. The whole point is they're handing this off to us so that we can keep handing it from generation to generation. So I have a lot of respect for everybody that gives me constructive criticism. Anybody that says, hey, I like that, but here's what you could have done better. I will, I'll always take that every single time. And I appreciate those people that do that. A lot of times wrestlers will have matches against someone that they maybe grew up watching or someone that they don't necessarily consider a peer because that person had spit on national television for a large part of their career and is now on the independent or something of that nature. Have you had many matches against people that were known nationally, that were bigger names, that maybe didn't necessarily intimidate you, but was sort of in your eyes a little bit bigger of a deal because they were someone that you knew off of television rather than someone that was on shows with you at a regular basis? Um, I've never personally had the honor of wrestling anybody that has been off of television before. I would like to in the, fu- in the future. Uh, Marco Stunt is one that I really would love a match against him. I have never been able to do that, but I've always been told um, that you treat them like a person because they are. In this business, they're a person, you know. Don't be all like, oh, my God, I want to take a picture with you because you've been on TV and stuff. I've always been told, hey, be, be cool with them. Like, they're in this business just like you are. Be cool. And, they're, and most of them are pretty nice. So just treat them like a regular person. Uh, but I've sadly never had that opportunity yet. So who knows? Who knows what the future will hold? In your area, there's a guy that popped up fairly recently from the Midwest that is now a regular on pretty much all of the Colorado shows. That being Fuji Brown. I've known Fuji since his day one in the business. What's it been like being around Fuji Brown in the last year, year and a half? Fuji's awesome. Fuji makes me laugh. He is a fun guy to be in and out of the ring with. Um, he always uh, makes me always feel welcomed. And I, he's just a cool guy to be around. 
because it's fun to watch him work and it's fun to listen to him talk and stuff because he's very uplifting and going and stuff. And sometimes if I have a question about something, um, you know, I'll, I'll go and I'll ask Fuji. And I know that Fuji's got my back in a lot of things. So I, I like Fuji. He's, he's a cool guy. One of the other people in your area I know very, very well is Chongo. Uh, Chongo is very well known as someone that has broken a lot of arms. He has a tattoo that keeps track of how many arms he has broken, as a matter of fact. Have you had many run-ins against Chongo? I have never personally wrestled Chongo, but I have had the pleasure of working with him, absolutely. Um, he's come and he's trained with um, the butcher shop before. He's been on a lot of promotions. He is really good um, for telling you, hey, I like this, but here's what she could have done better. Actually, a lot of wrestlers, not just him, but a lot of guys are really good at that um, constructive criticism. I have had the pleasure of getting to talk with him. I've never had the pleasure of working with him, but I have seen him work, and I've seen um, him work in promotions and all of that. So, yeah, I, and I actually I got to train with Chongo um, for jiu-jitsu, and he's a really good teacher. You know, he's very calm. He's very um, assertive. I, I've even had the pleasure of working with him there. Like we said, the atmosphere in Colorado is a little thin because of the elevation. You talked about having to put in a lot of the cardio to get ready for that and to be able to last in the ring. What is your own personal cardiovascular training regimen like? I try to run um, at least, you know, two, two miles every day, which is not a lot. Um, I would like to get up to five miles eventually, but I try to either, I'll either run. Um, I've got, I'm tr you know, I'm trying to get back into more, because I got I to gotta, I gotta get more muscle, but um, I'm weightlifting as well. And then there's other ways of doing cardio. So sometimes I'll run the ropes and I'll do kind of like the WWE girls. You know, you run the ropes. For three minutes or you do the drop down you jump over the um the bag and then you do another drop down duff also likes to incorporate a lot of cardio into the thursday night classes that we do and you can take those cardio um everything that he does those workouts and then you can kind of do them at home as well so i'm always i'm actually looking at my whiteboard right now i'm supposed to hit cardio three times a week um minimum um and then up to six times a week maximum so i'm trying to hit enough cardio throughout the week personally because I want to make sure that in that ring I don't get blown up or gassed or whatever. One of the other aspects of being ready to wrestle is diet. A lot of wrestlers adhere to very strict regimented diets. Some people are fairly loose with their diets. What is your diet regimen like? I make sure to track my calories. I get, I always make sure I get 130 grams of protein. So I don't eat meat because I get really sick. So I, I'm a vegetarian. Um, but I eat a lot of protein throughout the day. So 
I'll try and I'll try and stay pretty healthy to a lot of like fruit and vegetables and stuff. I kind of eat the same thing every day just to make sure I'm on track. That's not to say that I don't have a cheat meal here and there, but I'll usually do like oatmeal in the morning with a protein pop tart, and then I'll have an apple later, and then maybe a piece like some vegetables throughout the day. And I just try, I'll, I'll track all my calories. And then at night is usually when I'll have the bigger meal, like the tofu meal, because I'll do a lot of like little snacks throughout the day. And then towards the end, unless it's a wrestling night, then my, the way that I eat is completely different. I'll eat a lot more um, foods that are going to keep me full for longer in the morning. So I'll probably have like a protein shake and a protein bar and maybe oatmeal. And then um, I'll probably cut off my eating about 1.30 because I got to be at the show about 5.30. And then I'll just kind of wait till after my match, my match to eat um, almonds or Quest chips or protein bar. I, again, I'm, I'm saying protein bar a lot. That's kind of like my go-to snack just because I know it's a lot healthier than a lot of other things. So I, I just try to keep my diet strictly uh, protein, vegetables, fruits, a little bit of carbs. That's kind of all you need. What is the strangest diet that you have seen a fellow wrestler using? Um, I don't think. I think everybody here is pretty good about their diet. I I think maybe some people really carb up. Um, and eat like eight sacks of pancakes before they go out. But I don't think I've ever seen anything too weird where uh, someone's just like eating candy for breakfast. Luckily, I think people here, um, you have the guys that are either they're on a diet and you can tell which guys are eating healthy and which guys weightless. And then you have the guys that are just kind of, eh, I'll eat whatever I want. So I'm trying to get more on the... I'm here, I'm on a diet, I'm working out. I mean, my goal is to gain um, 18 pounds of muscle by the end of the year, not this year, but by the end of 2024, um, which theoretically speaking, I could probably gain about 12 pounds, I think, of muscle, probably not 18, but 12. So I'm trying to steer more towards the eating healthy, tracking calories, making sure that I'm on point for everything. This time of year is gift-giving season as we're approaching a lot of the holidays. Wrestling fans near and far love receiving wrestling-related gifts this time of year. There's a lot out on the market, whether it is something from the national companies or something somebody picks up from the local merchandise stand at the local independent show or a rare book on a independent star or something of that nature. Do you personally have some merchandise that the Billy 5.2 fans can pick up and either give or receive as a holiday gift this season? Yeah, um, I usually... Towards the end of the show, if you guys ever come to the shows, I will usually, especially if it's a kid, I am notorious for doing this. 
and I don't do it because I want the fame or nothing. I do it because I, I really enjoy talking with the kids. So I'll give my shirts out for free, <laughs> which is um, kind of funny, but I will. I'll, I'll, it's, it's just, it's so weird. It's like, it's, it's like I have no impulse when I do it too. I'll just be like, there's a kid there. I'm like, hey, come here. And I'll end up giving my shirts out for free or to like a super big mega, mega fan. Because like to me, the fact that they want my shirt is enough. Like, I know that I need to make um, a profit off of stuff. And I really do appreciate when people buy my stuff and they buy my merchandise. But I'll tell you, like, nine times out of ten, if you come after the show, if you come after the show's over and I'm at the table and you're a kid, I'm probably going to give you the shirt for free. So, fans, you have a couple of opportunities for free Christmas gifts this week at your local merchandise stands. Now, for you personally, if someone were to give you a wrestling-related gift, what would be some of the very top suggestions you would give to that person looking to give you a gift? Um, I'm still a huge collector on wrestling figures, so I would say any wrestling figures, if you're trying to get me a wrestling gift, um... That's my biggest thing. I have shelves on shelves on shelves of just all the figures that I've collected since I was six years old. So I'm, I still collect them. And for everyone saying that they're Barbies, they are not Barbies. They're wrestling figures. And every guy knows that. Um, that's probably one of the biggest things that I would have that I would want as a wrestling gift. Um, yeah. Well, we're down to the last few minutes of the show, and I want to make sure there is ample time for you. If there is anything you want to say to the listeners, plug and promote absolutely anything you'd like, upcoming shows, merchandise, social medias, your favorite dry cleaner, anything you'd like, floor is all yours. All right. Um, Well, if anyone's tuning in, we've got some great shows that are coming up. We have New Era Wrestling um, Presents season's beatings that'll be tonight so if you're in the area come watch the show you'll really enjoy it and then we've got on sunday we have primo presents the third annual omega nine so those are two great great shows that i think that people are going to enjoy um for those listening out there i really hope that you guys are having an awesome time my whole thing is um I know that during the holidays, uh, times can be really, really hard, especially for those that don't necessarily have everything or have families. So for anybody that is struggling right now, please realize that you're loved, you are appreciated, and as always, you got to keep cool, stay tough, and have a great day. So that's kind of all i got to say, but yeah. Philly 5.2, I want to thank you so very much for taking time to be with us here today. Give my very best to the crew there in Colorado at New Era and also Primos. Hopefully we'll see some of those talents back up here in my area. Maybe I'll make it down in the next year to that area. But best of luck as you continue upward and onward in your career. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Hopefully we'll get to do it again soon. Awesome. All right, fans, as we wrap things up today, I want to remind you, Coach Mike Jones, who is busily 
researching and preparing for his own show today. We'll be on at noon Pacific with the Coach Mike Jones Show. Also, we will be back with you next week, next Friday, at a special start time of 4.30 Pacific. We will be joined by Ola Lola, also out of the great state of Colorado, former Glamour champion, and you can find us on Sundays tomorrow. Jason Maples will be back with us first time in a very, very long time. He is not only in the wrestling business, not only a wedding officiant, he is in the Christmas business as we continue with Yule Month on the show. And one week from tomorrow, we wrap up Yule Month with Santa. Santa coming to us out of the North Pole via Spokane, Washington. So make sure you have plans to be with us. And on a note as we end today, very sad news to report as longtime Portland-based referee Mark Watson has passed away. I was on several shows with Mark Watson over the years. He goes back to the Sandy Bar era of Portland wrestling. Very helpful to a lot of people as they started their career. He had refereed countless matches with countless wrestlers in our area. He definitely will be missed. So as we wrap up today, we will hit the 10-bell salute to the late Mark Watson.